0: You are listening to a Pleasure Podcast. For more from our sex podcast collective, visit PleasurePodcasts.com. Hello, my friends. Welcome to American Sex, a podcast dedicated to normalizing conversations about pleasure and alternative sexual expression by challenging those puritanical, backward ass ideals that we have here in the United States. This is episode 167 of American Sex Podcast, and I'm Sunny Megatron. My co-host is Ken Melvoin-Berg, and we're both sexuality educators, pleasure advocates, and kinky perverts too that just so happened to be non-monogamously married to each other. This episode, we are talking daddy play with Luna Matadas. You know Luna, she's been on the podcast a few times before, but if not, here's a refresher. Luna is a sex and pleasure educator with over 15 years experience teaching sex and empowerment workshops. She celebrates body confidence, self-adoration, and building shame-free pleasure in and out of the bedroom. She teaches a wide range of topics, including threesomes, BDSM, and sexual confidence. Luna hosts the Plug Podcast, an anal sex podcast by B-Vibe. She created Peg the Patriarchy and Meditate, Medicate, Masturbate brands as part of her sex-positive and feminist merchandise. So daddy play, it's kind of hitting the mainstream right now. And it's making people really, really curious. One question I get asked a lot, especially from curious kinksters is, does daddy play always have to include age play? Like is the counterpart to a daddy a little all the time? Well, no. No. You know, incorporating traditional age role play is certainly one way to engage in daddy play. But remember, kink is customizable, so it's certainly not the only way to engage in daddy play. In fact, lots of people engage in daddy play without any age play element at all. Luna and Ken and I have such a fascinating conversation. You are going to love it. So Luna explains the differences between the different types of daddy archetypes that somebody can embody. She explains why gender has nothing to do with being a daddy. We also compare different types of caregiver play. And we really dive into the sudden popularity of femme daddies and why many women and feminine presenting people opt to gravitate towards being a daddy rather than being a mommy. We also really get into the cultural implications behind this kind of play. And also, whether we are daddies or whether we like to play with them, we talk about why? What the heck do we get out of this kind of play? Now, I promise you, even if the thought of saying daddy in the bedroom Kind of squicks you out and it's totally not your thing. You are still going to get so much out of this conversation. But of course, before we get to it, we've got to wash the balls, which is what we call housekeeping here on American Sex Podcast. And well, I, I guess for this episode, maybe we're washing daddy's balls. Okay. Too much, right? Too soon. I, I think half of the American fuckers when I said that got a little unexpectedly turned on. And the other half, uh, you probably just called your safe word, right? So okay, I won't do that anymore. Let's just wash the balls, the generic balls of a nondescript nature, belonging to anyone or no one. Okay, so first, I've got a couple of free discussions coming up that you're invited to. First, tomorrow, Tuesday, 9 14. And if it's if you're listening to this episode later, it's cool. It'll be recorded. So it's a discussion with Midori as part of her consent dojo series uh, with shibaristudy.com. So you can attend it live if you're hearing this in time, but if you're not. The conversation will be recorded and up for viewing for the entire month. So you can watch it anytime. Also on September 29th, I'm having a virtual town hall discussion with Aaron Tillman about the importance of soft skills and a strategic approach and kink on behalf of sex positive Los Angeles. Now, both of those are virtual. So come on and watch. Uh, also in our show notes, you will find the link to those events and everything we mentioned in this episode. Just go to AmericanSexPodcast.com and search for episode 167 or on whatever podcast player you're listening to me on right this moment. Just look at the episode description and it's all there. One of the links you'll find is for our kink and sex positive discord server. Um, and we'd love for you to join us there. So come on by. Also, there's a ton of discount links and coupon codes not only for the sponsors of this week's podcast, but a bunch more too. And I know you like to save a buck, don't you? Oh, one last thing. You know what time it is, right? It's big welcome and heartfelt appreciation time to the new members of our Patreon family. I want to give a big, huge welcome and heartfelt appreciation to The Rabbi for becoming a recent American Sex Podcast Patreon member. And if you're like, wait, what's this? What? I want to do that too. Well, good news, you can. You can become an American Sex Podcast Patreon member at patreon.com slash American Sex. And you get stuff too, like bonus audio from our guests, extra episodes, all of our regular episodes early. I'll send you American Sex Podcast stickers in the mail. You get a shout out on the podcast and a lot more. You know, Ken and I give the majority of our content away to the world for free. And that's a lot more than just this podcast. We do this because we believe these sex positive conversations are absolutely crucial their relationship improving, life changing, and even in some cases, life saving. And because of that, everybody should have access to them. So by supporting us, you allow our content to remain free for everyone. Again, that address is patreon.com slash American Sex. Okay. So those generic, nondescript, not necessarily daddy balls, unless you want them to be, are clean. And that means we're about to roll our conversation with Luna Matadas about daddy play. Oh, I want to start this with like, oh, daddy, but I just, I, I'm ruining it. I need more coffee. Hi, daddy, Luna. I don't know. Can I call you daddy?
1: <laughs> sure. Yeah, okay, Daddy, it is. <laughs> daddy, it is.
0: Okay, so we're talking daddy play. And I am so excited for so many reasons. Uh, you know, one, it seems like daddy play is really it, or not even daddy play, but like calling people daddy. It's become super mainstream. You know, now what is it? Jeff Goldblum is our Zaddy. That's a whole nother thing. Um, but it it's a word that's on people's minds. A lot of people like it. Some people hate it. But I don't think we really talk about like, you know, how this all works. So you're going to like demystify daddy play. So I think my first question is, is daddy play gendered?
1: Ooh, I, <laughs> I love that question. Cause I think it was one of the reasons I wanted to start teaching daddy play. And cause there were just all of these really masculine, very uh, cis representations of daddies and what that looks like. And actually no, daddy play isn't gendered because when we're talking about daddy play, we're, we're really thinking about archetypes of daddy. Right. So you might have like an authoritative daddy or a playful daddy or a leather daddy or a bear daddy. And so you can absolutely have a, a fem daddy or a sugar daddy or a sadistic daddy uh, and and i think we kind of get stuck on we think of daddy and we think of dad and fathers and sort of right and that's you know, a boner killer <laughs> i
0: mean you know i'm not gonna get somebody's young fantasies or fantasies if you're doing it that's a whole nother story but uh most people are like ew not my dad the- yes
1: Yes, yes. Someone, someone said to me once, they were like, I don't know how you can dress up like a schoolgirl. I have a daughter. And I was like, well, you play like a daddy and I have a dad. You know, like this is not, this is not what we're, we're making the connections to. We're actually trying to feel into the, the characteristics, the expressions. And that's what we're actually turned on by. And daddy's kind of the, the shell. And so what we put into it is up to us. So what
0: are the characteristics of the daddy archetype that we find so hot?
1: Yes, yes. So for a lot of people, it's about this authoritative. Powerful, caring, uh, all-knowing. It could be about protection, and and a lot of us, you know, those are things that we would love to feel. I want to feel protected and safe and cared for. Some for some of us, it's about giving up our power to a place that is supposed to take care of us. And and for some people, it can be about perverting that that relationship. That there's a um, a taboo around you know feeling attracted to obviously you know daddy. Like we're not talking about incest, but we're talking about these these kind of relationship dynamics that are not supposed to happen, and people are getting turned on by the idea of, oh, let's, let's borrow, you know, kind of from this role play and then put it into something else. Right,
0: right. You know what I find interesting, too? Tell me if you've seen this, like, out in the vanilla world, in the default world. I have noticed on occasion that there are, you know, people that I know, acquaintances or in my social life that I know are vanilla. I know I mean I can't guarantee, but I'm pretty sure they don't go home and play daddy play, but oftentimes I'll see, you know, it's a heterosexual coupling and the wife will call the the husband daddy. And usually it's a situation where you know, they've been married a while and they have kids. So like this, this human is being used, you know, is used to being called daddy by other humans. Um, but like the way I hear the wife call the husband dad, like you f- picture like your suburban neighbors, you know, and she's like, Oh daddy to her husband. And I'm like, Do you realize you're being kinky or is this like (laughs) satisfying something inside of, you know, the typical suburban wife that she doesn't realize? Like, what do you think's behind that? Have you seen that happening out in the default world?
1: Yeah, I've seen it too. And, and I, I'm, I'm not sure exactly what it's about. But I think there might be something about this, this attraction to what we think, um kind of a a hyper representation of, of the traditional gender roles, even though we may not believe in the power dynamics of them in a in a real way, they might have a very equitable relationship. But there is something that we we kind of find sweet or sexy about it, because it is a clear uh, delineation of power. It's mm-hmm. like, oh, you're the person in charge, you're the person who's providing this role and really gender roles didn't have to be um, inequitable, I mean patriarchy did that for us, so they they could be playing on things that just kind of make them feel uh, the kinds of things that they want to feel in the relationship, like safe or playful or taken care of okay, okay,
2: and so you know what, I've been really thinking about granddaddy play a lot lately, and I I think that consists of me hitting somebody with a cane, giving them a treat and then shitting myself (laughs) (laughs) But I don't Sounds have like I a good Responsibility time. <laughs> of being a daddy, so it's like I can just pass off the sub to somebody
0: else. Yeah, like when the subs being bratty, be like, go go, go home go, to your real daddy.
2: Yeah,
1: exactly.
0: <laughs> I love it. So, like, I definitely want to get into the appeal of being the daddy because both Ken and I are dominance, and I I like a little gender fuckery daddy play. But first, let's focus on. From the submissive, you know, the, uh, what are, what is the equivalent, uh, or the opposite of the daddy? Is it always a baby girl? Is this always age play where you're like playing a little kid? Can you just be a submissive? Like, what is the opposite of daddy in those situations?
1: Ooh, I'm so glad that, that you brought up the, the age play thing Because I think some people might be attracted to daddy fantasies as a submissive Or someone who's attracted to daddies But they don't necessarily want to infantilize themselves Or play with age regression Like it, it's not about being childlike for them Or, or picking up on child uh, or more immature characteristics And uh, so they kind of get turned off from it But really you could be anybody and, and be attracted to a daddy You could be attracted to a daddy as a puppy You know, you're playing as a role playing as a puppy and you don't necessarily need an owner or a master. Maybe you want your uh, possessor to be a daddy that might feel like a better fit. Lots of people do like playing uh, the little girl or little boy role and they can play with age regression or they can play with uh, more just about the dynamics of power. So what wouldn't you be allowed to do as a little girl or a little boy? Other people like to play with daddy in specific contexts of other fetishes or kinks. So uh-huh. you might be in the leather community, you might be in the rubber community, and daddy then becomes part of the the hierarchies of authority there. It becomes part of a um a community and like a, a pack feeling. So it it really depends, but anybody can be into daddies, even though we tend to just see a lot of daddy role play based on DDLG. So it's sort of daddy-daughter, little girl kind of stuff, which also is centering a very heteronormative expression of daddy play, right? Dominant right. older man and then like younger, you know. Uh, female.
0: Yeah, yeah. So, uh lately there's been a trend I've been seeing in at least the online kink uh discourse and discussions. People are really latching on to this idea that I think is not a great one that All of your kinks come from traumas. And if you're into daddy play, you must have daddy issues in your real life. And you're working out some sort of, you know, issues that you had growing up with father figures and blah, 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 blah. Talk to me about that a little.
1: <laughs> yeah, I, I <laughs> you know, I think there's, I think I learned from you that, you know, there there is value to uh, people wanting to explore. And if, if you find a, a benefit of expression by going back into and kind of tracking and tracing where your kinks or your fetishes come from, cool. But I think often we want to pathologize it to find something wrong with it. We want to be like, yeah, actually, this thing that is really creative and maybe misunderstood by most of society is actually something that's wrong or busted about you and let's figure out like when this happened so you know i mean most people have some form of trauma and and not everyone has the same kinds of kink not everyone has the same kinds of fetishes and and so it is a it's not necessarily a such a straight line i think as people are trying to draw Mm -hmm. um I think also, you know, this, this is sort of a a, a macro kind of um, idea on, on my part, I, I think, you know, we live in a paternalistic society, right? Like we live in a, a patriarchal paternalistic society. And so it makes sense to me that a lot of our fantasies would be wanting to play with that power dynamic, whether it's rebelling against it, or, you know, embracing it. So we feel we have some kind of control and experience about when this kind of power happens, you know, we literally have a sky daddy, you know, so like, like, it, it, it makes sense that lots of people are playing on this power dynamic. Exactly. I have a
2: question for the both of you. Yeah. And this is something that I've been thinking about and just curious because not being part of, like, um, a Southeast Asian family, uh, one of the things that I've noticed is that that role of daddy, oftentimes you get some other member of a family that's sexualized in a role in different cultures. And, for example, with Southeast Asian cultures, it's the aunt. Uh. Yeah. So is there auntie play?
1: Yeah. Yeah. I think there there's auntie play. There's a lot of um, stepbrother, stepsister kind of
2: play. Yeah. And culturally, um, yeah. how does that change?
1: Yeah. I'm not sure. I, yeah. I think, um, yeah, I think that would just depend on um, so many different things that maybe are fused through the lens of culture. So depending on like what, how, how, how sex is seen, how kink is seen, you know, when things get also fetishized from... A, a socio-cultural context, so we're right, seeing more right. medical play kind of come up on Pornhub during the pandemic. Mm-hmm. Uh, so yeah, I think it kind of depends on what's going on. I'm not sure about other cultures.
0: Though. Well, it's funny because like I, I don't know. This is why we're married, Ken, because you were on the same wavelength of you know what I was going to bring up is, you know. Going back a little bit to like, oh, all our kinks are from trauma, you know, and the reason I kind of poo-pooed that isn't because none of our kinks are from trauma, it's that sure. I am very against the idea of saying every single one of our... Sometimes they are, sometimes they're not. Like, it isn't a rule either way yeah, or the I mean, other. every one of
2: my weird fetishes, none of them came from trauma. They're exactly. they all came from positive sexual but, experiences but, when y- I was a kid. Yeah. It's one that I didn't understand. Right, and, right. And tried to replicate that feeling of sexiness as opposed to having trauma.
0: Right, but like in... in In in, uh, kink, oftentimes, we fetishize, you know, one common thing is we fetishize what's taboo, but also we fetishize what we know, like you were saying, with the -hmm. the cultural context, we will take those, um, you know, very ingrained in our culture relationships and sort of set them on the extreme. And to your point, Ken, sometimes it's because they're, they've been so positive to you, and that's your association with them, sometimes it might be because of trauma, you know, but it's not like it's always because of trauma. I just want to drum that in people's heads. Um, so yeah, I just find it fascinating. And yeah, I bet Ken, you know, we're we're used to our American culture here, or North American culture, because you're in Canada. I don't want to be can- <laughs> canada is or something forget canada Uh. (laughs) we hate it when you do that (laughs) (laughs) Sorry, Um, but like uh yeah i'm sure if we were in other cultures that had you know weren't a patriarchal society and had a completely different framework we probably would fetishize other uh pivotal and important relationships in our society
1: Yeah, I agree. Yeah, because we again, we're borrowing those, those experiences, those emotional connections, those, how it made us feel. And, and so bringing that into an erotic role play is an opportunity then to engage with our erotic self with that same feeling.
0: Yeah, yeah. So we talked about the archetype of daddy, but really Mm -hmm. if you break down daddy there's a bunch of sub archetypes there's like the mean daddy who like just you know because i said so there's
2: that's boomer daddy
0: right there's (laughs) boomer daddy there's gen (laughs) x daddy there's millennial daddy that's
2: daddy the difference is we care about your feelings but we don't know how to fix a house
0: Yeah. I I would say we care about your feelings. Gen X daddies, I think, care about your feelings, but also don't really know how to talk about them. And probably millennial daddy is getting closer to like, let's be vulnerable together. I don't know. I'm making this up. But (laughs) tell me about the different daddy archetypes because they are very different.
1: Yeah, and and what one archetype means to one person might be played out depending on who their partner is and and what they're inspiring in them or what their partner wants. So for example, I think I tend to identify a lot as a, a fem daddy when I play. And fem daddy for me was was in rebellion to this kind of masculine representation of daddy. And I wasn't attracted to uh, mommy play because for me it held associations that just didn't suit the kind of power that I wanted to bring into it. Yeah. And, and, and so Fem Daddy was about me expressing kind of what we would look at as like traditional Femi kinds of, of wear or clothing or ways of, of being, but also about bringing in this feminine dominant power that was in an authoritative kind of role. So the the same characteristics as what I would think of as as someone who's a protector or a possessor of someone who expects to be obeyed or, um, you know, it it is about being worshipped, like that's what fem daddy would mean for me. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's also you can have sort of blended daddies, you know, you can definitely be mean and adoring at the same time. So you might have a disciplinarian type of daddy who focuses uh. on things like punishment and and reward etiquette control behavior. Uh, some people are really interested in service daddies, and so service daddies might be more adoring. They might do things that we might think are traditionally more submissive, mm-hmm. uh, but they don't. They don't necessarily have to be. Like something isn't submissive or dominant inherently. So they might enjoy really taking care of their brat or their baby girl or their puppy. Like, um, like, so they can- that's daddy, kind of like daddy, buy me a point. pony yeah what color pony baby yeah yeah
2: (laughs) what'd you say oh no just that's my favorite kind of daddy play i think it's just oh really service top and i would rather like nurture oriented yeah just it it fulfills that subby need inside of me but i'm Mm -hmm. like i'm still dominant
0: okay so like you can get your service out in a dominant way yeah kind of and like for you i'm i'm curious because i've never actually asked you about this which is interesting because like we're married uh but, okay, so you like the, the service aspect of caring for your submissive and mm-hmm. providing and, like, protecting, I'm assuming, yeah, is in there, too. Yeah. Like, being, like, you know, caring, you're the protecting, daddy protecting, protector. providing,
2: all of that. Okay. So, like, all service-oriented, whether that's physical, intellectual, emotional, um, vocational, or vacational. Like, all of those things are things, like, if you think about, like, what I did with my subs – um i made sure that i addressed every one of those areas so that they would improve on themselves and i would serve them by helping them with their emotions with their intellect with their jobs with their vacations yeah. with their physical self with their mental health you were almost package.
0: like a mentor but yeah. i I'm, I'm curious to hear tell me about when you, in your daddy role the relationship between traditional discipline like because i said so cuz i'm your dad versus nurturing and like character development and growth kind of discipline like what how did those play out for you
2: um the discipline part is inherent in bdsm i you know i don't think i needed much help in that and i didn't really think about it Mm -hmm. so it is something that inherently was just an an easy
0: and are you like a Because I said so, Yelly Daddy, you get a timeout. No, it depends on the submissive.
2: I cater to the submissive, and not all submissives are the same. Okay. So I don't have a static daddy mode. It's a dynamic daddy mode. So it changes from person to person, and I adapt depending on that person's wants and needs, because I've never had two submissives with the exact same needs. When you take a look at, like, I don't know, like, versus – uh, one of the other submissives I had, she had very specific needs where her daddy issues were very much overriding. And it was um, – she needed that very paternalistic aspect of it from Adam because her father passed away, right?
0: Right, right. Um, yeah. And
2: so, she was very different than, say, um, you know, some of the other submissives I've had whose main thing – like, I remember one of my submissives, and I don't think that you had met her, the way that her – Um, she, she wanted to be given chores all the time. That was her thing. Like it was chores and we had assignments and it like actually developed into a, uh, a maid thing, which was weird. It started off as just daddy, you know, like, um, you know, DD, you know, um, daddy, Dom, little girl kind of thing. And then it developed into, uh, us having, it was almost like masterpiece theater. <laughs> I would, <laughs> no, seriously, I would have a pipe, I would wear a jacket, I would sit down and then she would start preparing the, you know, the, the whole room and and it and it's interesting, but there was such differences from one person to the other. The core values were the same. Yeah. And yeah. that I was providing that protector, that um, disciplinarian role and all of that, but it would change from person to person. Does that answer your question?
0: Yeah, that that was insightful. And also like now I want merch, for daddies like t-shirts to say dynamic daddy mode activated or something because dynamic daddy mode. I love that. Um, so yeah, I mean, uh, Those are definitely two more archetypes, right? Like, how does that fit into the archetypes of daddy that you have outlined or the sub archetypes?
1: Yeah, I think, I think it fits in sort of under daddies that might be, um, either focused on authority, authoritativeness or even adoring. And it, and it's Mm -hmm. kind of hard to, um, give complete silos to all the archetypes. So I, I love that we're talking about these different ways that they can be expressed. And so if you do see yourself as more of a, a service daddy, that doesn't mean that you can't also go into punishing daddy. And there's oh, yeah. a continuum of punching, uh-huh. punishing daddy. So it's not always, you know, caning and, uh, you know, bull whips. It can be, well, maybe you don't get TV time or you don't get to come today or you don't get to wear your favorite collar. You know, there's, there's really uh, an, an expression of these things that That goes way beyond usually the very high performance stuff that we see in kinky porn. Mm -hmm.
2: Yeah. Like with me, a a central focus of my punishments were repetitiveness so that I would make people write lines like we had to back in like the 1970s and 1980s. So, they would have a book that was dedicated to their sexual well-being and their submissive journey. And then part of that, though, was that they had to have pages available to write like a thousand lines every time that they screwed up. And that was something that was, and that was one of the worst punishments for a lot of them because they couldn't do it by hand or I'm sorry, they couldn't do it automatically by computer. They had to do it by hand.
0: Yeah. And by the way, I just want to like, this isn't even a shameless plug because I have nothing to do with the website, but mm. if you are doing uh online play or, you know, whatever, you just like technology and you want to make your submissive right lines. Um, there is a website called right for me.org. And it, has you write lines it doesn't let you copy paste it will check your spelling if you are a submissive without a dominant and you just like you know the punishment or the punishment of writing lines you can get random assignments from other people on writeforme.org. Um, so yeah go look at it I'll put, I'll put it in the show warranty notes
2: warranty industry I will v- gladly re-up our car warranty with you if you write 10,000 times I am a lying whore
0: i love it um so okay i want to i want to double back to fem daddy luna Mm uh because that is something that uh very much appeals to me as well i know a lot of uh other people who are you know feminine women identified etc like there are lots of lesbian leather daddies uh, there are lots of pansexual people who have partners of all sorts of different genders that are more of a femme daddy. I know someone who identifies as Barbie daddy. Um, and when you said, like, there's just something about the mommy role that's mm, like, there's something about the mommy role I do like, but then there's part of it that I don't like. And I don't know if it's because in our society, Uh, You know, I have mainly dated men. And in those relationships, by and large, I'm sort of forced into this mommy role non consensually. And I don't know if maybe that's part of why I'm like, I'd rather be a daddy, even though maybe some of the things I'm doing is the same. But I don't know, it's that. That same appeal to me is like hard femme. Like, I love that aesthetic of like, I'm going to wear a cocktail dress and motorcycle boots and I'm very mm-hmm. hard femme kind of. To me, like the femme daddy sort of embodies that. So talk about that a little bit more, like the difference between mommy, femme daddy. Like, is this femme daddy role uh getting more popular with people and why?
1: Yeah, I feel very similar to what, what you described as, um, you know, I was a wife for 10 years. And so I definitely felt like mommy of the household. We didn't have children and yet I was still mommy. Mm-hmm. And so it, it, it didn't, this maternal power doesn't necessarily appeal to me in the kind of power relationship I want in a kink context. And so for other people, mommy can definitely be a mean mommy, a sadistic mommy, a powerful mommy. But there, there is something appealing about stepping in into daddy and embodying daddy with both the the softness and the tenderness of what I'm bringing from my fem side and and then this powerful you know very um just kind of in control kind of side, expect to be worshipped kind of side, expect to be obeyed kind of side, um, that also matches with it in a femme way. So it doesn't feel like you're necessarily taking on masculine characteristics, but you're allowing the flow of that feminine power through this daddy vessel. Mm-hmm. And, and I think that's really appealing for people to get to stay um, what we consider maybe soft or or curvier in in femininity and still embody that masculine power that we've been told is only masculine. Yeah, and yeah. and so that's really hot. That's I can see if it's if it's growing more and like you described. I love that hard fem look too, where you get to have this um, hotness of the contrast. That's also what's really sexy. It's mm-hmm. like it's interesting. It's dynamic.
0: Yeah, I think part of it for me too. It, you know, being a uh, dominant woman for me even though i i preach all you know like we don't do kink because of our traumas blah, 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 blah. maybe this is part of it okay for me uh yeah i have the trauma of growing up as a woman in a patriarchal society and yeah. part of the appeal for me being a dominant woman is it allows me to access and wield a type of power that i am denied in the default world. Yes. And to me that's like oh I so it's like I, well on hold on, Wait, okay, hold on. As as so like done. i have access to the power of being a mother. That's nothing that i'm denied. Um and that's also something that even though i know in the default world that is a very powerful thing like mothers are the shit. I also know that everyone else in society doesn't recognize that and they shit on it. So it really isn't like full power, like a man would embody the role. Um, So I think for me, that's part of it. Like I get to access this power that I would never get to access in the
2: real world. So my question to the both of you is, and this is, and I don't want to say I'm playing the devil's advocate here, but this is something that I've been thinking about for a while Have either of you met anybody that is a masculine identifying person that has identified as a dominant mommy? Even one person.
0: You know what?
2: And my question furthermore is, are you increasing toxic masculinity by embracing the daddy role and denying the mommy role? Because nobody is bringing on a mask or a uh, dominant mommy role that isn't already a cis woman.
0: Ooh. I have thoughts, but you're the guest. So you go first. Yeah. Like –
2: Luna, I would yeah, like your, your opinions on this. And I hope it's not too controversial
0: no, no. it's I mean, it's something that we I think we should think about. I disagree. I'll tell. but I'm gonna let Luna go first. But yeah,
1: yeah. I just, I, I think I was gonna say um, before this question that that what Sunny is talking about, this this kind of power that you have access to, it, it's it's about this subversion. So we're we're subverting a system through this power. Whereas someone doing a dominant mommy is not necessarily coming from from that place. Like they already they're already owning all the power. They already have like a society mm-hmm. that works for them. So the taboo there for them would be maybe about you know embodying um, something that maybe feels humiliating or that that feels uh, softer or that feels uh, more tender. Maybe daddy's not the right expression for their tenderness. And I think once we start to give um, you know, once as a, as a society, once we start to, to give people who are, are cisgendered and probably heterosexual men the, the more opportunity to explore those sides of themselves, that'd be awesome because their, uh-huh. their default to dominance tends to be something, well, they default to dominant sex and then they default to daddy because that's all that we've really shown them. And so I think like communities that are, are kind of doing things like, uh perverting the norms by by subverting power through through fem daddy type of things it's it's a different kind of um high that's coming from that it's a different kind of of challenge
2: yeah For yeah sure. it just seems odd that there's a sexual dichotomy there it's i mean it different. does i, it I mean I, and to, to my first question do either of you know a single person that's a masculine identified dominant mommy even one
0: no
1: no that, but i mean yeah yeah yeah, I'm sure I just exists, and that's something I'm just think-
2: curious about like but that's and if that, if there's anybody out there that's listening that is either a masculine dominant mommy or knows one please drop us a line. We're interested to talk to that person and get some a little bit more feedback yeah, on this. Yeah.
0: Yeah. I'm very much in line with what you're saying. It is um a a subversion and it's about uh it's about us. It's about, it's not about what does this say for society and what does this say about masculinity? It's what does this say about a patriarchal society that has a denied, uh, you know, femme presenting and, you know, women, this power um, and b the mind fuck of, of that, not even gender fuckery, but like that power Fuckery and that reclamation. Um, In a in a perfect world, sure we do away with all gendered roles and all power based gender. But I think because you know, going back to culturally, you know, we emulate what we're used to in the framework that that we've grown up in. That's where we're at working our stuff out. You know what I mean. Um, On the same token, I might be able to say. Uh, is it perpetuating toxic masculinity that we don't have enough uh, you know, masculine people being in the in the mommy role? like, you know what I mean and and in that respect, I still don't think
2: well, it's I've sprung it on you all of a sudden. no, so like but but you know... but
0: it's also about power and oppression, like, yeah. when you you know, traditionally, women in our society, Are in the oppressed role so it is empowering to step into those shoes even if those shoes are fucked up you know what i mean um
2: but the mother is such a powerful figure in the first you know like everywhere but it's
0: painful it's painful to be the mother and to know it's such a powerful role and to kind of go through it in silence Mm -hmm. and with people shitting on you and, you know, oh, like, you know, you hear about stay-at-home moms. Oh, you just stay home and you do nothing all day? Oh, you just, uh, like, people don't realize if you look at the statistics of, like, heterosexual marriages and the division of labor, the women are doing all this shit and the men are not, you know, so, and that's not recognized. So I think it's then, like, painful to be like, I'm going to step into this role that's so powerful because I've been stepping into that role my whole fucking life. And it's – yeah, I know deep down it's powerful, but nobody else can recognize that. So what's power if it's not actually powerful? You know
1: what I mean? Does
0: that make sense? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah,
1: I think so. Yeah, and I think that there's this – this. um you know, I don't want to eroticize my caretaking. Like, I, I'm already codependent. I'm already, you know, doing <laughs> yeah. all those things. Yeah. And so it's it's not a kink for me. It's just something I have to work on. So it, it feels yeah. like if
0: mommy. I, if I have to make one more doctor's appointment for someone that isn't me, so help me <laughs> yeah. God. And
2: exactly. I apologize if this exactly. derailed the conversation, but it's just something I've been thinking
0: no, about. No, I think this is a great thing to think about because all of this stuff comes into play. All of our, our, you know... Gender stuff and the framework of our society and everything we know to be the one way we are, which is bullshit, but we've been raised to think that. So it's important to dive into that. So thank you for bringing it up, Ken. And I, I don't think we do this enough
2: that maybe I need to start taking on the role of mommy dummy.
0: Oh, is love it mommy that.
2: dummy or dummy mommy? I don't do, know. Mommy, but dummy, like, mommy.
0: You could make a new, maybe you, it's a cultural change. One masculine dom at a time for the betterment of society <laughs> yep. do it do it um so when it comes to to uh do we miss any major dom sub archetypes
1: um i think uh i think one that's a little bit um controversial for some people might be sadistic daddies or misogynistic daddies or daddies that are in a place of perverting their authority and uh-huh. and these are these fantasies are popular because they're so intense and so they feel very exciting they feel like they're tugging on our big emotions of fear of abandonment of um you know potential harm from a trusted figure and so it it can be hard to navigate how to do these in in a safe way and lots of people want to do these as you know pickup play or like we're, we're just going to jump into it and you're going to abuse me and we're not going to talk about what that looks like. And and so that, that can be really dangerous because you are setting up a dynamic where you, you've you got someone who is defaulting to a role in their submission where they're dependent on you within the role play. And so really uh-huh. knowing what it means to you, like what, what does a sadistic or a mean daddy mean to you? What kinds of things would they do to you? How do you want to feel? Maybe you want to feel uh, a little bit, you know, hurt or maybe but you don't want to feel scared you don't want to feel anger and so thinking about the feelings and not just the things you want to do can help mm-hmm. you navigate more intense fantasies like that
0: oh i love that i love that and like you and i are on the same wavelength on my uh negotiation workbook that it's free i'll put the link in the show notes uh i have a whole sheet of like if you you know different ways to uh start your scene or approach your scene and approach your negotiation. And one of them is from an emotional, like, what do you want to feel? Start with that and then negotiate from there. And I have a whole sheet of like kind of emotions to start with. So um you said something though, that was interesting. Uh, and I think that when we talk about dominant submissive play in whatever context, whether it's daddy or something else in, in the, General kink community that says it's oh we're pansexual and we're accepting of everybody blah 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 blah. It still tends to be very heteronormative, even though we pretend it's not. It is. So you know, a lot of us when we hear about why would we like to do these things, we can understand it from a submissive's point of view, even if we're not actually submissive in our real lives. I think it's what we're conditioned to be like, oh, this is the the emotional need that it's giving a submissive, or this is, you know, the the problem that it's solving or whatever. But now let's go from the dominance point of view. And you said, when it's somebody like, let's say it's a cis man playing daddy, and maybe they are sadistic, they're more mean and more traditional, like, you know. and they're perverting their authority. A lot of people look at that and they go, why? Why would you want to do that? You are at the, you know, the top of the social ladder. Like, let's say you're a hetero, uh cis white man. Like you were the least oppressed person in the world. And you are, I'm so mean to people who are lower on that social hierarchy Is that person doing it just because they're filled with toxic masculinity and that's the only way they know to express themselves and it's unhealthy? Or are they doing that because they're actually getting something from that emotionally by expressing themselves in that way?
1: Yeah, I think that's a really good question. And I think the answer is sometimes both. I think sometimes people are not aware of part of their risk assessment when they're, they're getting into kinky play about thinking about their social privilege and, you know, what might cause inadvertent or unconscious harm and, uh-huh. you know, what they're channeling into this like sexually shared space. And then I think for other people in the same way that I, I like the, the daddy role because it, there is some caretaking in it, which I, I love to do uh, in a non erotic context, but the, it also comes into a power that I don't necessarily have have in day-to-day life. So if you already have that power, putting it in a place where now it's eroticized and where someone is clearly desiring that power, it does change the dynamic and give you a chance to process that power in a different way. But mm-hmm. lots of people aren't necessarily intentional about what that is and it doesn't mean you have to sit down and, you know, write like an autobiography of like why wow, you're into this, but it's really kind of thinking about what do you want to get out of it and what do you want the other person to feel? If you've got power all day long, Often you're tuned out of, you know, the the people who don't have power. And so it's important to really understand that the power in the space is shared, but it's just accessed differently by the submissive and the dominant.
0: Yeah. Have you ever had a long distance playmate? Was it hard to navigate and kind of sexually frustrating? Well, maybe it wouldn't have been if you had the Satisfier Connect app. Satisfier's new line of products is Bluetooth enabled and pairs with their Satisfier Connect app. So you can connect your device to Android, Apple, and iWatch. You can turn your phone into a remote control and control it yourself without having to worry about pressing all those buttons or let your partner control it the speed the vibration the length the whole shebang and you can also use the app to play with power dynamics take control of your partner's device or give up control to see what your partner has in store for you. You know, distance often disconnects people, but Satisfiers app lets you control each other's pleasure devices, also private message and see each other's responses in real time. And you can connect with someone whether they're in the next room or in the next country. You know what I really like? Satisfier's new sexy secret panty vibe. So, you know, it's great when you're playing long distance at home, but mm, what if you're playing with power dynamics and you're told you need to go for a walk or go grocery shopping, but wear your secret fun toy. Mm-hmm. See where I'm going with this? I know you want it. So you're lucky because Satisfier is offering American Sex Podcast listeners 30% off any Satisfier product when you go to satisfier.com and enter the code SUNNY30. That's S-U-N-N-Y 3-0 at checkout. Again, if you're looking for one of those fun new devices to do fun things with, go to S-A-T-I-S-F-Y-E-R.com and use the code SUNNY30 for 30% off. And I, I would venture to guess Perhaps if your stereotypical, you know, cis white Dom who's Rob, Daddy, and I'm mean, maybe it's a way to hyper-masculinize themselves as society expects, but in a covert way, also nurture, mm-hmm. also be vulnerable and emotionally connect with the submissive. And I'm just wondering because I'm not a cis white man, so... A, Luna, or Ken, what do you think about that?
2: About what specifically?
0: About what I just said. <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> we
2: have been talking for a half an hour on that one subject. What specifically? Uh, about <laughs> how,
1: like, a... um wait, I remember. A- so it's like the nurture part, right? Like, they could be right. processing... Yeah. How a
0: stereotypical, like, you know, cis white het, male dom is like, I'm the daddy and I'm mean... Could they be in a socially acceptable, hyper masculinized way, be accessing their nurturing and vulnerability in a way that maybe feels more societally accessible to them because it's happening in a
2: masculine way? As an way. atypical white cis male. Right. I no, would have I have to say, because you know, like, I'm not the typical. I'm
0: I not, know you're not, but you're not closer than being, I am. Like in like, any so. way, shape,
2: or form. But yeah, you, you both nailed it. Yeah.
0: Okay. Okay.
2: And I think for me at least, but I I, I don't know if that's like, are you asking me if it's typical? I I don't know. It's a thing. Yeah. I don't know if it's a typical thing, and I don't have any data to back that up. I can talk about experientially how it's helped me um, get out some of those maternal feelings because I express myself a lot through care, as you know, like I like to cook for you. Yeah. What do you say?
0: You're the Jewish grandma, daddy, dom kind of sometimes? Yeah.
2: Yeah. Yeah. I want to make you chicken soup, and and then I want to beat your ass with a cane.
0: Yeah. <laughs>
2: <laughs> but you better eat all, because nobody likes a skinny, like, whoever you are.
0: So,
2: <laughs> <I> <laughs> nobody that. likes a skinny sub. Eat, eat, manja.
0: Eat, <laughs> manja soup. Oh, my goodness. Um, okay, so where where should we go from here? Because we just, like, dove into archetypes for forever. Um, what else do we need to know about daddy play, Lira?
1: Yeah, I think... Um, I I I was on a um, a dating site and every like other profile from cis men was, I'm your daddy, call me daddy, be my daddy. And so <laughs> I think that there's, there's if there's so many out there, and we're we're talking to them, we're interacting with them, it's important to know kind of, you know, what makes someone the kind of daddy that you would want to play with, and that would create an emotionally and physical physically safe environment for you. So, you know, really understanding what you want out of it, whether you're the daddy, or you're the person who's attracted to the daddy can help you connect with more like minded people. So just because uh-huh. someone says they're a daddy, doesn't mean that they're your daddy or the kind of daddy that they want to be. And likewise, just because someone says that they want to play with you as their daddy, it doesn't mean that you understand everything about what they want to experience. So I can't overemphasize the communicating and people feel that sometimes that steals from spontaneity, or I don't want to have to tell you what to do. But really, it, it acts as a form of social loop, it becomes this confidence building thing to know that, okay, these are the ways that I can pleasure you, let me get creative with this.
0: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, you know, what I've been preaching from the rooftops, uh, especially lately, Kink is customizable, like my upcoming book, Customizable Kink. Ooh, uh yeah. <laughs> and and so is Daddy Play. Like people, I think when they're learning about a new type of role or a new type of play that they're curious about, they're looking for, I want to find a source. You know, maybe they they turned into this podcast because what they want is I want to be a daddy, and I want to know in five easy steps, how do I need to act to be the perfect daddy? And it's like, they'll never find that, because it's mm-hmm. it's customizable not only to your personality, but like as Ken uh, indicated earlier, to whatever specific uh, coupling you have with that specific partner, and that specific scene, and that specific well, situation. Yeah, having,
2: the, having the title daddy is like having the title doctor. You can be a doctor of music. You can be a doctor of metallurgy, or you can be a doctor of medicine. Right. And people assume what you mean when you say you're a doctor, but they are absolutely not correct if they don't like set boundaries and check to see what your specifics are with that. And it's the same thing with daddies. Daddy yeah. has multiple meanings, and we can't prescribe anything to it and assume. We mm-hmm. Just can't.
0: Yeah. So, uh, Luna, what about for for folks who are uh gender nonconforming uh that you know in one way shape or form they reject the idea of gender and maybe they want to play that daddy sort of role or have characteristics that would fall into a daddy label but they are just like mm, i am not calling myself something gendered i am not are there uh gender neutral Uh, you know, kind of they them esque versions of daddy that people can use
1: yeah i've seen daddy with an x so i don't know if it's pronounced zaddy or still maybe daddy but identified with an x Uh um zaddy sometimes is used more for these these older type of um cis men kind of daddy yeah the jeff goldblums (laughs) um but but some people also use it as a more kind of playful term to denote the the relationship so it might be about someone being older and younger or it might be about someone just occupying kind of a, a different role than the other person and and i think for for Daddy roleplay for people who are gender nonconforming or gender expansive, There, there is so much that is enjoyed through daddy roleplay because you get to kind of tear apart and bust up all these ideas of what daddies are and who mommies are. And so for some people, it becomes gender neutral by them owning it the way that they want to express their sexuality.
2: Uh-huh. I love it. And by the way, there's no reason you can't be gender nonconforming and be a daddy if you so desire. Like our good friend, uh, Daddy Sky is a perfect example right. of that. They have always expressed that ultimate idea of what daddy is. Right. Um, and I-, I know that they are starting to explore a little bit more about gender nonconforming stuff right now and have adopted the pronouns they, them.
0: Right. Right. Yeah. I mean, and again, it all comes back to, it is completely customizable to whatever you feel fits you, whatever you feel is right. Um, So I find it interesting that in DS play, we will hear daddy, 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 daddy all day long, no matter if it's the, the gay community, the lesbian community, the, you know, cishet community, whatever. Daddy, daddy, daddy is a fucking thing. Have you ever heard anybody call somebody dad, or is that like we just shrivel up and it's like ah? Is anyone into that?
1: <laughs> I'm, sure, I'm somebody sure somebody is, is. somewhere. <laughs> yeah, but rule thirty four. Yeah. <laughs> I don't think it. Yeah, that made me shrivel up too. I don't know. That's not. <laughs> I don't think that's that's a big part of um, maybe what would be daddy role play. I think if if someone was playing with family role play, that might be a part of it, right?
0: So let's talk about that. Let's. A lot of people assume when you are into daddy role play. And yeah, I I still feel squicked. Like with dad, I'm just like, no. Because yeah,
2: yeah, that puts me immediately into, you know,
1: like male this role. parent role
2: yeah. as opposed to sex thing. It's like when somebody says that, I want to start yelling at people to clean the room, change a cat box, and change the oil in your fucking car. You want
0: to you wanna peek <laughs> through the blinds and be like, who's parked in front of our who's house? Who's parked in front of our house? <laughs>
2: turn down that base.
0: <laughs> yeah, totally, totally. So let's talk about age play and daddy play, because a lot of people think that you have to do age play. And you know, oh, I'm acting like a little girl, little boy, little, you know, whatever, little kid. And that's not necessarily true. But let's talk about and we have lots of episodes on age play. Let's talk about what daddy play looks like when you are the submissive. And you are not at all assuming a different age, a different, you know, what, what does that look like? Or is that the typical?
1: Yeah, that's a great question. Cause I think the submissive can express their, um, their, their, whatever the daddy wants to feel. So if it's worship or obedience or whatever, uh, they can express that connection to daddy through what they want to experience. So how they want daddy to make them feel. So daddy might want to make them feel helpless or adored or cared for. And so they can package those characteristics into whatever they want. They can still feel some of the characteristics of age play, maybe being smaller than, uh, maybe having less power than. I mean, those are things that come with with our our childhood. But they they don't necessarily have to want to, play with stuffies or or get into more age play kind of characteristics or age regression if it's not part of what does it for them. And I think that does get confusing for people where they feel that that they are getting into more vulnerable feelings that don't necessarily fit within the erotic role play that they want. And, yeah. and so that's why it's also important to think about, well, what are you offering your daddy as a submissive? So are you offering them your tenderness? Are you offering them your obedience? Are you offering them, you know, your butt for punishment? Are you offering them uh, oral worship or other types of worship or non-sexual rewards for, for daddy? And that can help you define sort of what you're going to connect to. For some people, they get inspired depending who the daddy is. I mean, I don't always want to do physical punishment with a submissive. Like, it, it I kind of have to be inspired to to want to connect with them in that way to bring out yeah. that part of my daddy.
0: Yeah. And, you know, again, I always say kink is customizable. And that a role doesn't necessarily dictate that, you know, in that role, you're always dominant or in that role, you're always submissive. You can be whatever the fuck you want, as long as it's consensual. Um, so are there submissive daddies? And what might that look like?
1: Yeah. Ooh. Submissive daddies are, are awesome because again, they're, they're taking things that we see as sort of mainstream king, if that's a thing. I don't know if that's like, a, mm-hmm. you know, double meaning, but I, I think the, the submissive daddy might be attracted to the bratty dominant, right? They might be attracted to someone who likes to tease and play with power and push boundaries. And so they're sort of, um, that, that dynamic for some people can feel that the daddy is still a top or still dominant, but In this way, the the submissive might be using tools like blackmail or humiliation or seduction. These might be things that they're playing with to make the daddy feel less powerful within their authoritative role. So it's it's a perversion of their daddy power. Oof.
0: I love it. I love it. I
2: just figured out what dad role play is. That's where I get you really excited to see me, and then I abandon you for 20 years. Oh! (laughs) Maybe that's just my dad, though. (laughs) Oh! That's why nobody wants a dad as opposed to a daddy.
1: I have a great dad. (laughs) (laughs) Oh. So.
2: You're lucky, and that's rare.
1: Yeah. I am. I am. Yeah.
2: Everybody in our house has daddy issues. <laughs>
0: yeah. 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 So what's um what else do we need to know like uh, about daddy role play cuz like it's been almost an hour. I can't believe we've been talking about this for almost an hour. But I know like it, some important takeaways. If someone's listening to this and you're like, "Oh, they can't finish listening to this episode without knowing this that mess about daddy play what would it be
1: yes i i think to make sure that you know where daddy role play ends and where it begins or where it begins and where it ends cuz for some people this this um power that we're playing with can bleed into other aspects of our lives where that erotic role play is not activated and so it can help people to have things like rituals so when you you enter the space your erotic role play this ritual like lighting a candle or putting a collar on or even just you know leaving the- the room and coming back in with daddy energy that can help, uh, contain it to where it's it safely belongs and then closing out might mean doing things like aftercare and, and deciding what will help both of you come back into your non-daddy non-submissive state and then talk about what worked and what didn't work it doesn't always have to feel as um I think people really wanted to just feel like real all the time and and it does feel real but it it's it's not about us sort of mimicking performance and then seeing how close we can get to that it's more about what what did we experience? Where did we expand? You know, where did we get all puddled out? Where did we, you know, kind of lose interest? What was a turnoff? That can help us take a better barometer of of what's going on for us and where we want to go with this. So checking in is super important. It, we don't just start a role play and then never talk about it again. So I think those two are pretty. Those are the big ones. I'd love people to know about daddy role play. Mm, I love it.
0: And one one last question because you mentioned that when you're on dating websites every other person and their mother is like i want to be your daddy um wait
2: did you just say every other person yes i did i
0: did that on purpose it's like a little sly because it's true (laughs) uh but you know everyone's like i want to be your daddy i want to be your daddy and sometimes it's like these 18 year old like schmucks who are like i'm gonna be your daddy um do you think that a, somebody who is younger or maybe just new to DS play can be an effective daddy? Um, or do you think there are certain, in certain situations, more, I don't know, out in like, you know, pop culture society that people are like saying they're a daddy, but maybe abusing it or fucking
1: it up or, you know, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Yeah. I think, I think it's really hard because I think for, for for people who are interested in in playing with daddy because maybe it reinforces their, their masculinity or it makes them feel more experienced. So it's le- lending them uh, some sort of confidence that, that they think they can bring into the bedroom and help with performance and connection and being, feeling attractive and desired. And, and you know, those are really powerful motivators, you know, to, to want to, to feel those things by embodying this role that, that we get repeated back to us. I mean, so much porn is about, um, having a, a dominant daddy. And so, yes, I think I think you could be an effective of daddy if you do some of this work, if you learn some of the skills. Um, lots of people like to talk about how much experience they have in role play. That doesn't necessarily translate to skill. So, you know, really understanding and going through some of the questions that, that we talked about today as a as a reflection, that can help someone. And even just saying, hey, I'm really turned on by daddy roleplay, but I, I don't have a lot of experience and it would be cool to like learn stuff together. I think that's uh-huh. really vulnerable and and is gonna result in more authentic connections, which actually leads to more confidence. Um but yeah, I think I think it's really tough for people to to step outside of that because we don't have, I mean, it goes back to like we don't have a, a ton of accessible pleasure-based sex ed and so we're just learning Mm -hmm. instructions from porn
0: yeah yeah and you know now that you say that i think about you know and maybe i was kind of an asshole just a minute ago when i was a little ageist with like 18 year old daddies but i'm gonna take that back i apologize uh because you know thinking about it you were saying like embodying that masculinity or you know gaining that confidence and it's like I get that like when I you know switched from uh being more submissive to being dominant a lot of a lot of it was like I don't feel confident and in order to access my real life confidence it is going to help me to you know like hyper play up that that dominance and that confidence, even if I'm like kind of faking it till I make it within the safe context of a scene, because that actually gives me confidence that I can walk away with and bring out to the real world. So maybe we actually need more 18 year old daddies I, and that's a I, way to find confidence.
2: I think that part of your reaction had less to do with confidence and more to do with experience and how to display confidence. What I mean by that, if somebody has to tell you they're a king or if somebody has to tell you they're a daddy, they're probably not one because they don't have that confidence and energy behind them. It has nothing to do with age. It does, however, have to do with confidence, either faked or real.
0: Yeah, yeah. So,
2: when you're sitting there like, and you have to call yourself a title that title is Dependent on Confidence, it detracts from that. And what you're seeing, I don't think was ageist. I think it was just somebody who had a lack of experience and an abundance of confidence gave sort of a off-putted feeling.
0: Yeah, maybe. That yeah, yeah, that sense?
2: Because I, I don't think that you were trying to be... And I understood what you meant, but I, yeah. think, I think that it is a confidence issue as opposed to an age issue. Anybody can be a daddy, regardless of age.
0: Yeah. And I think also, like, going back to what you said, Luna, it's about intention.
2: Yeah, it's intention You know, sometimes confidence.
0: I will see young adults, you know, who are, you know, young cis male adults who latch on to that idea, that yes. toxic masculine sort of persona thinking – well, this is what I really need to do. And this is what I really need to do to, to be a real man. Or, you know, whatever it is. And that's kind of fucked up. And, and it's not necessarily their individual fault because society raises us to think that way. You know what I mean? Yes. It takes a lot of work to, to sort of get yourself out of that mindset. And, uh, you know, whatever you do or whatever role that you embody doesn't really, me- I'm not- Kind of – yeah, it doesn't really matter. It's the intention behind it that matters. Yes.
2: Yeah? yeah absolutely. Yeah, and, if you're, and I think that if you're tre- – as long as you're treating somebody who's an 18-year-old queer femme daddy the same as you would an 18-year-old cis hetero daddy the same and giving them the same opportunities and the same level of confidence and appreciation. So, if you're, if you're making fun of somebody just for being cis and hetero and 18 – that's no different. Like, you should treat everybody yeah. the same in that aspect. Yeah,
0: and I think Does to your point. Does that make sense? Yeah. I don't know if
2: I'm making if I'm No, you, yeah, here. and like,
0: like you had said it before. it seems like you're,
2: you're hyping more on somebody because they were cis
0: no, and, it, and it, male. The reason is because statistically, from my own anecdotal perspective, mm-hmm. um, that's what I see. I see a lot of, like, young I'm a daddy kind of dumbs really like just steeped in toxic masculinity and it's just reinforcing a lot of unhealthy messages and because that's what i see most often that's why i kind of labeled all young daddy doms are the. and that's not true that's not true and that's, that, not, true. that's yeah. not fair of me to say um but i know why i did it because That kind of is the majority of what I see. I don't know.
2: But we can't make assumptions. Yeah. That's all I'm saying. You can't make assumptions because if you would give – you know, if the person was queer and femme as opposed to cis and male, like, you know what? You're probably right in that they have an abundance of confidence that they don't need. Um, But when it comes to that role and how they display it and to help that person ultimately in their BDSM journey, how can they be customizable for their kink – if they are made fun of
0: that's true that's true yeah,
1: yeah and You're i think right. part of their customizable kink is recognizing that they're operating in a context of of patriarchy so a lot of their yeah, behavior has been sure. learned and so it is important to um kind of give give the the, the educational opportunities to everybody so that we're all accessing yeah. this stuff and yeah. i'm unlearning different things than a hat. You know, white male is unlearning, right? So yeah. we're, but we all are, are under the same systems. We're just being affected differently. Yeah, shit. I'm unlearning during
2: this conversation. Be, you know, that like, could be it. We have so much more work to do than every other person because we have so much privilege. Maybe that's just showing you that that person didn't have the work done. Yeah, yeah. Hmm. Yeah, there, there could be a number of reasons why and. I-, I think it's an interesting subject.
0: Though. Yeah, it's something to think about. something to leave our listeners to, like, go take this to your communities, take this to your kinky friends, your partners, and, like, discuss this more. Because, yeah, I think we all have, like, I have unpacking to do with this. I have unlearning. I think we all do. Um, so, on that note, this conversation has been almost kind of therapy for daddy doms, kind of, for daddies.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. therapy,
0: yep. <laughs> totally, totally. Dad, Daddy Doms or Daddy Subs because, you know, you can be either. Um, so you teach a class on Daddy Play and you have a bunch of other amazing classes and things happening and a podcast and all sorts of stuff. So brief-less, br- briefly, briefly, briefly. <laughs> I don't have words. Briefly, uh, give us like the elevator pitch and the rundown of what you've got going on and where people can find you.
1: Yeah, thank you so much. This conversation was so great. It's it's awesome to to get, you know, really deep into daddy play and, and not just kind of stay on the call me daddy kind of level. Right, right. Um, but yes, I um, I teach over 30 different webinars and lots of them are kinky skills like fem or pee play or submissive skills. And you can find them on demand at lunamatadas.com. And I'm the host of the fabulous B-Vibes podcast called The Plug. So we're talking only about anal pleasure. So I can talk about butt stuff all day, which is so awesome. Um, And you can find me on Instagram, where I'm always dropping different little educational tidbits about all kinds of sexual confidence things. Very cool.
0: And for those listening, as always, I will have all of those links in the show notes at AmericanSexPodcast.com for this episode or whatever. streaming service or podcast player you're listening to just go to the description for this episode and all those links will be there too and uh luna until next time because you know you're coming back because we always have great conversations (laughs) um so thanks daddy thank you thank you for having me bye-bye